Hi, everybody. I am Peta Barrett. I'm the owner and operator of Women's Wilderness Discovery here in Ely, Minnesota. I guide year-round, so I'm actually looking forward to the upcoming winter season, as well as savoring our, our past summer season. And later on in this podcast, you're going to hear from Aubrey Miller from Redbud Suds, uh, a fabulous company that makes great biodegradable soaps that I use on my trips in the wilderness, in the Boundary Waters. So you're going to hear from her and hear a little bit about their trip in the Boundary Waters this past summer. And uh, speaking of those beautiful Boundary Waters, um, I want to say a little bit about my favorite canoe, the only canoe that uh, is in my fleet that I use with my groups, and that's the North Star uh, North Wind. I use their 17s, their 18s. North Star Canoes makes the best craft on the water as far as I'm concerned. Ted Bell and his team of amazing uh, men and women handcraft these beauties right there in Princeton, Minnesota. So it's the only canoe that I use on the water. They're amazing. The maneuverability, the stability, especially the secondary stability in that canoe. You get into wind and waves out there on those beautiful waters. They can really kick up sometimes. And I continue to feel safe and keep my group safe no matter whether I am taking out experienced paddlers or, for the most part, novices. I take out a lot of women, a lot of older women, uh, families, and it's really important to me to be in one of the most maneuverable and safest canoes on the water. So that would be the North Star Canoe, handcrafted by Ted Bell in Princeton, Minnesota. And just to wrap things up, I just want to give a shout-out for this podcast. Enjoy your time today as you listen to Stories Without the Boundary Waters. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experiences were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern light. Welcome to episode 35 of the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. I'm here with your host, Matthew Baxley. And I'm here with Joe Fredericks himself, <laughs> sitting in his cozy writer's cabin with a fire burning in the wood stove. And something's falling outside, Joe. What is that? Well, I call it uh, excitement, joy, and goodness all wrapped into a snowflake. Or, <laughs> or about a million snowflakes. <laughs> Others might not feel that same way. Well, it's amazing that something so beautiful can also strike terror, fear, and panic in the hearts and minds of lesser joe (laughs) yeah it's the first time that we've recorded out here that uh, in quite a while that we've needed to 
start a fire in the wood stove, uh, yet another symbol of the changing of the seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew, I actually didn't tell you this yet, and it's not official necessarily, but I feel like I've put away my canoe for the year. Wow. That is... Just to lay that on you. Wow. You know, I haven't told you this yet, Joe, but I put my canoes away just two days ago. <laughs> and you kind of, you you knew or you felt that it was the end of the season? Yeah, you know, I, I left the aluminum canoe on the end. Yeah, I was just building a rack at the new place, and uh, I thought, well, I guess there's a, maybe a chance. But really, I tied them all down with the expectation that I wouldn't be getting them out again until the spring. Yep. And that's standard that's that's where we're at here it's the november episode episode 35 and and this is the transition and in fact sometimes we've we've you know maybe i'm just speaking for myself but uh november early november and april are still those times in the boundary waters that i'm i'm just not quite entirely sure where i fit into the whole scene or maybe it's a time to just let it be for a little while few even you know a few weeks seems like a long time to not go for us because we go quite quite often uh but it's the canoes away and i'm not walking on the ice yet it's true joe and you know transition right Mm -hmm. that's what these months mean and transitions are challenging uh and have lots of emotion, uh, grieving the loss of a great season, mm. great paddle season oh. that we've had. Uh, it's been, I think this is certainly the most uh, Boundary Waters uh, time that both of us have had, and maybe ever, yeah. uh, for the summer season. Oh, the snow just kicked up even more. Um <laughs> And, and so, so grieving the loss of the paddle season and anticipating the winter season with skiing, fishing, uh, ice fishing, uh, all all of the above. Mm-hmm. Winter camping. Winter camping. So we wanted to, uh, of course, close down the paddling season by hearing some paddling adventures, Indeed. reflections, and we've got a great episode today lined up to do that Uh, we're going to hear in the first part from our friend aubrey helmuth miller the owner of redbud suds who we've heard on a recent short track here on the podcast and on patreon and we've got some video footage and we met her at canoe copia in 2019 i'd say it's safe to say she's uh, a friend of the podcast and part of part of the team in a sense at this point we you know she's been just a great person to interview for for information and she makes this soap that has a direct connection to the boundary waters but today uh on the episode we're going to hear an audio diary that aubrey and her staff uh, she owns this business red bud suds and they did a work retreat a work trip a business trip but uh instead of staying at home in ohio they typically you know would rent a, a cabin or even just a home and do a, a kind of a weekend retreat to look back on the year and look ahead for a year or two, purely business talk. Uh, they came to the Boundary Waters this year for their business trip. If we all could be so lucky, Joe. 
<laughs> uh, her staff, uh, Liz and Amanda, it was their first time coming to the Boundary Waters. And uh, Aubrey has been a, a guide over on the Ely side of the wilderness in, in the past, so she was comfortable leading the team in. And it's really interesting uh, how the trip came to be. Uh, it's interesting. We're going we're gonna to find out as they take us on the journey. Well, I'm excited to dive in, but before we do, second half of today's episode, we'll be talking with Claire Campbell, and uh, she's a wilderness lover, uh, a lover of the natural world, and she will be sharing with us her process of becoming uh, a solo paddler in the Boundary Waters, um, what excites her about that in terms of gear, and really dives into uh, her love for the wilderness and the type of connection that she uh, works to foster uh, with herself and with the wilderness on her solo trips, and even addresses the significance of that her being a woman mm-hmm. and going out alone mm-hmm. and what that's like for her. Nice. So we got a we got a rich episode today, full of uh, full of power. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, as we've heard from others who listen to the podcast, who've told us many, many times, I think it's the most common uh, compliment or, or thing we hear about the podcast, is we live vicariously through it, through your travels and adventures and stories. I'm going to do a little of that today myself. Oh, you and I, me both. I want to I go on this trip with Aubrey and the team from Red Bud Suds and, and Claire as well and hear about paddling as we wind down the, the paddling season here with the snow falling outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just kick back and go along for the journey. <laughs> so, we should probably maybe introduce ourselves. I'm Amanda. I'm Liz. I'm Aubrey. And we are here at the edge of Snowbank Lake on our very first day of our staff trip. Um, We all work for with Redbud Suds and um, Amanda and Liz have been hearing me talk for the last two, two, three years about the Boundary Waters. They probably feel like they already know it because they talk so much about it, but they've never been here before. So um, this year, because of all of the things, um, you know, COVID has been uh, really intense um, for all of us. Um, We've had to rethink, you know, how we do business, how we do work, how we do recreation. Um, And instead of doing our typical staff retreat, um, where we kind of rent a cabin for a weekend or a couple days and look at like all the businessy things you look at at a retreat, I decided that I would bring Amanda and Liz to the Boundary Waters to experience this beautiful place, and we could kind of actually have more of a retreat, so to say, so to speak, um, and just get some perspective and actually have some fun. So here we are. Um, I think it'd be kind of fun to hear each of you talk about what you're excited about on your first trip. Just seeing it, I've been like you said, we've been hearing about it for the past two years, and I've never felt like I loved a place that I hadn't been to before, so it's exciting to actually see it and experience it. How about you, Liz? My typical experience in the uh, wilderness is backpacking, so I'm pretty excited to see the differences and similarities between canoeing through the wilderness and how a lake perspective changes 
your view on things versus walking through the trees and through different experiences that way. It's pretty powerful to get mm-hmm. somewhere through the strength of your own arms, I feel like. As opposed to your own legs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> In my opinion, a lot easier, but that remains to be seen. <laughs> well, we're about ready to do a little portaging lesson, because neither of you have ever portaged before. Yes. Um, but real quick before we do that, maybe, is there anything that you're, like, kind of, I don't know, like, have questions about or, like are a little bit nervous about like oh my gosh what what is this gonna be like it just is kind of fun to think about ahead of time no I think I got all my nervousness out the past week I'm just ready to ready to ready to do it (laughs) yeah that same yeah time to get in it I totally agree cool well let's do it here we go Dun, dun. Okay, this is the part that they edit out because. <laughs> um, maybe we should describe the scene, like what we're actually looking at. We had a double rainbow. I know it was freaking amazing. On a one very side, large, some real fluffy, beautiful clouds, and the other side is the sunset. Yep. It's one of this awesome little peninsula. Watched yeah. a rainstorm go past. And didn't get rained on. Didn't get rained on. That was very nice. The best kind of rainstorm. Yeah, we have a really, really good view here. We're on a rock that just kind of slopes perfectly down to the water, kind of high up. We have a couple trees that are blocking the sun, so we have a little shade. And we can just see a lot of sky. And it's like the perfect position to watch the clouds like roll in and past and see what weather's coming. It's so beautiful. So, best part of the day? I would say when you guys were reported when you guys reportaging to disappointment and I got there a couple minutes early. Yeah. Got to walk down in there just all by myself. It's probably one of my favorite first views of a lake so far today. I was going to say your favorite part was when you got to be not not with either of us. <laughs> <laughs> and the first view the, of disappointment. <laughs> yeah. The first time the in silence. three days I was by myself <laughs> and it was beautiful. <laughs> well, I didn't want to be mean. So it's okay, you can say it. We understand. <laughs> We've established a level of trust. <laughs> I really enjoyed... Um, watching the bald eagle that we saw. First I was like, I know that there's bald eagles here. I hope we see one. And then I like literally looked uh, like ahead and right there in a pine tree was a bald eagle, which was so cool. Um, and then it flew shortly after we like, like right as we were paddling by it, it took flight and then we watched it kind of circle the lake and then dip down towards the water and then like I don't think it actually caught a fish. It looked like it tried. Yeah. (laughs) It was disappointed. Um, But that was just really cool. And seeing the... We saw an otter right before we got to our campsite here, which I've only seen a couple otters out here, so that was really special, too. I was proud that I made it through my first portage. Word. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that very first portage from Snowbank into Parent... It was legit. Oh, that's the first one I made it through. Yours was the next one, which was yeah. also, like, there were some steep parts of that one, too. 
It was long. Yeah, and just trying to find that fulcrum point yeah. with one hand. Yeah. The pack that wasn't quite sitting where it was supposed to. Yes. Fun times. Yes. I did the whole thing. I made it to the end. You did. With style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was You really would have awesome. never known if you didn't hear my pants <laughs> the whole way through. <laughs> it was a good day. Yeah. We covered a lot of ground. I'm glad we made it to where we wanted to make it to. Yeah, me too. That was really... We didn't have to rely on any backups. Yeah, and we didn't know really how far we'd get, but we had really nice weather and we're trying to make a pretty ambitious loop from Snowbank down through Insula, maybe catch a day trip on Alice and out the Number Lakes, um, then past all the way out to the South Quishwee River. I forget if I said that yesterday. I can't remember. I don't think you did. Yeah. I think we made decent time today, considering. We really did. I mean, we were doing a portaging lesson in the driveway, or <laughs> in the parking lot, <laughs> and then an orienteering lesson on snowbank. <laughs> and, yeah. It was hot, too. Like, I think that was one of my most frustrating moments, when it was just, like, so hot. And we were it's about like the third lake or something five that miles we in. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> when the clouds came in, got breezy. It was real nice. It was. Yeah. Cooling off nature shower. I know. It's been so nice. So, another good day tomorrow. Hopefully. Yep. Yeah. We'll take it as it comes. Good sleep first. Yeah. We will sleep well before all of our muscles get sore. <laughs> probably stretch. Oh, that's probably a good idea. We could do yoga on a rock. This is a perfect yoga rock, actually. One weird thing that really took me by surprise, having traveled through here a good bit before, um, but not in the last probably, I don't know, seven years or so. Like, there's a lot of trees down, especially on this campsite. Like. Um, you can see one tree in particular, it was like one of those really nice big white pines, and in one of the storms it came down, half of it is alive, the other half is dead, so it's still kind of growing even though it's at like a less than 45 degree angle, um, and it's being propped up by two very unhappy birch trees, <laughs> um, and yeah, like you get off the shore and instead of it getting like thicker and thicker as a forest it gets thinner and thinner because all the trees are just like cut off and you know we always remember things a little differently than how they actually were but it's definitely no i definitely don't remember the quantity of trees that are down and big ones like big trees yeah the wilderness keeps changing Nature's good at that. Yeah. As do we. I keep thinking about how... I'm like, what is Soren, my little baby? What, he's, what, is, what is he doing right now? It's kind of weird to be out here as a mom, like, without him. That's kind of takes me off guard. I've never experienced that before. I think it was probably within the first, like, 
two miles that I was like, oh my goodness, we've covered so much ground because we don't have, I don't have a baby that I'm trying to paddle around right now. <laughs> he is adorable, but he just sits usually in my lap, like in the bow with me, um, and tries to either unbuckle and buckle my life jacket buckles, or he always wants to paddle, like to hold the paddle. It's really cute. Or eat. He does a lot of eating. <laughs> <laughs> He's but, a very active baby. Yeah. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where he gets all the eating from. <laughs> I would never guess if you. <laughs> we had some good food today, too. Yeah. Some quesadillas. Pizza quesadillas. Pizza quesadillas. That Aubrey just couldn't wait for. <laughs> They're delicious. <laughs> she will turn them over. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just you if wait. you done it once, you it would have been whatever. It's just that you did it twice. <laughs> when a brain's got to eat, a brain's got to <laughs> eat. <laughs> Sounds like a zombie slogan. <laughs> so, today is day three. And um, we are on Insula, just north of the Burn area, on a beautiful point. Um, we have a little beach and some sand, and we're surrounded by a grove of cedar trees, which is like the perfect shade for shelter from the wind, shade from the sun, but yet is still somehow magically letting the right amount of wind in. So that we don't have bugs. It's like magical. Yeah, today when we got back in, it got really sunny and it, the wind had just died down just enough. We're walking up into the campsite. You could just take a big, deep breath of pine. It was amazing. Excellent, excellent smell. Delicious. So we paddled the first day. We had a pretty ambitious route. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to do it or not. <laughs> um, the first day we paddled about 10 miles into Ima. <laughs> You're hilarious. Uh, um, and then yesterday we paddled nine miles here to Insula. And it was a little windy. It was windy. Yeah, it got super windy at the end there. Um, crossing some slightly more open water on Insula. And last night we had a pretty big discussion, looking at the maps, trying to figure out, do we want to try to tackle, do we want to rest day, which we were pl originally planning on doing, having a rest day today, um, and then tackle 19 miles tomorrow, or do we want to just break it up a little bit more and start heading back? Um, and we decided to take a rest day today, <laughs> which actually wasn't just sitting around. We really wanted to go out to Alice Lake um, and check out the pictographs on Fish Dance. Um, it was about a 12-mile round-trip paddle, and we did that today. It was... You want to talk about what it was like today? The morning started out kind of foggy, but pretty calm. Yeah. Um... This was a real pretty paddle out there 
And then well, after we saw the pictographs, we found an island to eat lunch on. And as we were eating lunch, the sun started peeking out a little bit. And then on our way back, it, the sky just opened up. Nice little fluffy clouds, blue yeah. skies. And the calmest water I've seen out here so far. Yeah, it was so wild. Like, it dead looked, middle of the afternoon. It was a different lake than Glass. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, that little stretch in the north side of Insula Lake, we've paddled three times now because we paddled it to get here the first day. And then we paddled out this morning, and then we paddled back this afternoon. And literally each time, it was like we could have been in a different place. Yeah. It was pretty sure. cool. So was it worth it to go see the pictographs? Definitely. Yeah. It was really neat. I really liked it because the weather literally changed at the halfway point, like when we stopped to take lunch. Yeah, it was cool. Like it was gray and cloudy when we like disembarked. We ate lunch, we came out, sun started coming out. So it made a round trip trip basically be like two different trips. Not only from a change of perspective, but just from the ambiance of fog from the morning to just still water and sunshine and blue skies. Yeah, it was really cool. And that little narrows area, like going from... The Kishui? Uh, oh yeah, the, the Kishui. Yeah, it was the very beginning of the Kishui River. Um, or at least the furthest upstream on the Kawishui that we're going to be paddling on this trip. Yeah, it was just like, I don't know how to describe it. It was narrow. It was like, it was as if, I feel like elves and fairies lived there. It was there. still. <laughs> like the sky was reflected in the water. It was how still it was. So yeah. it kind of made it feel like you were sailing into the sky a little bit. Yeah. And like there were some pretty like, significant rocks on the shores that were like covered in all many millions of colors of mosses and lichens yeah it was just really really beautiful Liz you had some interesting observations about oh yeah as a backpacker this is my first canoeing trip it was interesting just seeing the differences and observing nature from different vantage points, whether from being within the woods themselves and hiking and going through different trails that are very much marked out for you and headed from one point to another versus being on a canoe where there's way more orienteering required because usually you don't have markers in the middle of a lake. <laughs> Generally speaking, at least I haven't found any yet. Other than like, you know, Some the islands, rock. yeah. The rock. <laughs> Uh, but it was just interesting kind of getting the perspective because backpacking it's very much seeing the trees through the forest and canoeing is much more seeing the forest through the trees from kind of seeing things more from a broader perspective versus from, from a more immersion perspective and both have their advantages and disadvantages but it's interesting just having that juxtaposition of the two and how you approach nature, both as a wide sweeping shoreline versus that little bit that you get walking under a canopy. I thought that was really interesting. It's cool. Makes portaging interesting because very much everything is built around canoeing, not walking or uh -huh. hiking through the woods. So yeah, if you're used to there's a, a couple of points backpack. where I was used to a much more internal framed backpack yeah. and hiking boots that give you more ankle support. Yeah. A couple of those rocky steps were a little hairy. Yeah. 
Yeah, we've had some pretty rocky portages. I made my first portage today without a pack. Woo! Because <laughs> the first awesome. time I tried it, it didn't work. <laughs> and I also fell into the water today. So. Pretty exciting. Yeah. A lot of things, lot of things happened. <laughs> it was an eventful day. It was really cool. I was telling you all a little bit this afternoon as we were paddling through that little narrow stretch. Um, this is, I don't know how many trips I've done out here, upwards of 30 something. And, uh, I can't help it, but everywhere I go, I remember the people I've been with on previous trips and it's like, I can almost sense people with me or those, those memories. Like it feels like it's still happening or it feels like it was, um, it just feels very real, um, the memories that I have. And they're ones that, you know, in the, in everyday life, you know, you don't really reflect on those times very much, but then you'll, you know, turn a corner and you remember very precisely, um, a certain person or a certain conversation or, um, just something about a relationship that was built on a past trip. And it's really bittersweet like it can be really emotional at times um but it's also really beautiful um to know that like those past experiences have shaped me and I carry them with me um even though you know there's not anything I can do to bring them back and I wouldn't want to even if I could but it's almost like there's this like I don't know just presence that I feel with me wherever I go and um, it's really cool, um, on this trip, even thinking about how, like, it's the first time both of you have been here in the Boundary Waters, and the first time I've obviously ever taken a trip with you, and to know now, like, when I come back, like, you will be part of my, like, I don't know, spirit of adventurers. <laughs> um, it's pretty, it's really powerful, just thinking, like, we've been talking about, um, different part of our like professional development stuff are talking about some intuitive skills of congruence um one of which is connection so I've been specifically thinking about our connections with each other and our connections with the land and the water and how those things all just kind of when you're out here they just kind of fall all over each other <laughs> um and there's a piece of that that you know there's a lot more time to reflect when you're out here. Um, but wanting to remember those strong connections to back home. It's just, yeah, it's a really powerful, really powerful time of memory and also just very present experience. Like when you're in the middle of a portage trail, you're not thinking about anything except for in the moment. <laughs> um, but also, you know, looking forward to what's coming next. I'd find pulling off leeches. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, leeches. Seeing some, unfortunately, large leeches than I would like to experience. Mm -hmm. That We swam in the water yesterday, but it was, it was cold. so wavy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that you couldn't see leeches today. <laughs> Different story. Yeah, it's nice and clear today. <laughs> There's some cute baby leeches, too. Yeah. Cool. Well, tomorrow, 19 miles. 
We'll right see how now, it goes. Dark and early. We're going to try to leave at dim and early. 5.30? <laughs> 30, 6, something like that. Yeah. The latest. Yeah. Just at the break of dawn. Maybe we'll get the sunrise on the water. That would be amazing. So we are sitting on the South Koshiwi River, um, about 10 miles out from our takeout point. And on the morning of our very last day out here, um, we didn't record anything yesterday because we were freaking exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> so tired. Um, yesterday was our day that we were hoping to do 19 miles. And we got up at what time? 4.30. 4.30. And the our hope was to get out on the water by like five thirty. It was six fifteen. <laughs> we had a little incident with some burnt oatmeal, which was totally my fault. Um, and it was not good. It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but the once we got on the water, I think one of my favorite moments of yesterday was actually right off the bat. We saw another eagle, bald eagle, just. Chilling, cruising, being majestic. It was amazing. I think it was neat seeing all the all the big lakes. Getting to hop through those. Yeah. Yeah, like one, like two, like three, like four. They're all insula too. They're all there's insula a lot of wide open way water. Way bigger than I thought it was, because I haven't had a map at all, so I don't quite know what we're going into next. It's kind of a surprise. But yeah, Insula was way bigger than I thought it was. That's cool. What did you guys think of the burn? Seeing the burn area? It was interesting. It was different than I thought it was going to be. I was expecting all blackness. Um, but it was neat to see the new little baby regrowth trees. And there's a good amount of regrowth going on. Yeah. Little, forget what kind of pine trees they are, but they usually sprout up pretty quickly afterwards. Yeah. Liz, you had a pretty awesome portage through the burn, through all those little pines. <laughs> the route that said it was 25 is definitely longer. Yeah. yeah. It's always fun to shimmy to the left and to the right with a canoe. Yeah, there's a lot of ear, ear, ear. <laughs> a lot of beep, 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 backing up. Yeah, it was fun. I think one of the hardest parts yesterday for me was uh it was just so like the sun once the sun came out after the fog burned off it was so hot and there's just like no shade in that area yeah it is pretty toasty yeah about midway in we got to what we, we thought we were going between lake three and lake two and it looked like we should just be able to paddle but we ended up portaging and then got through the portage and looked at the lake beyond and where there should have been a lake on the left there was definitely a lot of lake on the right <laughs> and we did some pretty hardcore head scratching kind of figured maybe we should seek some shade and drink some more water and eat some more food here but we got it all sorted out after we did a little loop-de-loop -loop around an island a couple times <laughs> It wouldn't have been as bad, and, but there was people camping on the tip of it, and so they definitely saw us come back around. The, the second, second time! 
<laughs> Good times. <laughs> well, one of my highs for the trip was seeing the pictographs over at Fish Dance. That was really cool. It's not something you would generally be able to see anywhere else. And having that connection to people who have been there for so much longer than you have. It's pretty neat. Yeah, totally. So we did 19 miles yesterday. Um, today we have a short and sweet 10 going yes. down the river. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, one of the things that's been so nice has just been to have... Liz, a couple days ago, you were mentioning just like that sh a shift in perspective. It's been so nice just to be out here. Um, you know, everything that we need to focus on and worry about is like related to our direct and immediate needs right here and now. Um, and we have everything really that we need. Like we've prepared. We have all the food. We have gear that protects us. And that's kind of all we have to care about. And I mean our own immediate needs are pretty important. Like yesterday, as we were so exhausted, especially towards the end of that day, we were hot and tired and um, starting to stumble around a little bit. You know, you, you know, like, oh, okay, we really have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves here. But it's, um, it's just been a nice reprieve from the heaviness of trying to deal with the news and the responsibility that we have to um like it's been it's been nice to be able to step back and think more in like geological time than in um you know the minutes the hours the seconds of our day-to-day -day routines well i think we'll probably get, get on with it and start paddling this beautiful beautiful still water Well, you may recognize that banjo strumming along there, Matthew. Mm, it's been in my heart for over a year now. Oh yeah, <laughs> going on two years. Wow, the time first, is flying. First heard Aubrey. That's Aubrey playing the banjo there. Uh, so so grateful that they they took us on their trip, their work trip uh, through Redbud Suds, uh, and this was a, a recent August 2020. They did that, and uh, I'm so. Appreciative. I, can't, I really can't stress it enough uh, how grateful I am the the time, the effort that people take when they produce these uh, audio diaries for us. And I think you summed it up too, Matthew, when I asked you point blank. You know, did it did it influence your trip? Was it uh, a hindrance or a burden to have to 
oh, I better record something here, you know, pull out the recorder, be conscious of it, uh, updating along the way. And it didn't seem like that was your experience at all. In fact, the exact opposite. You said you, said you enjoyed it. And uh, Aubrey, Aubrey said the same thing, too. So, but it d- still doesn't take away from how appreciative, how, how much, how grateful we are at the podcast for that. Yeah. Uh, and please keep them coming, uh, folks who... Thank you to those who have sent us their audio diaries and those of you that have yet to or maybe have them stashed on your phone or your computer somewhere. Why don't you pull them out and send them our way? Uh, we'd love to hear them. I think even more so, uh, one thing I wanted to give a shout-out to on today's episode, Joe, is our Patreon page. So uh, we've had a Patreon uh, page here for a while now, and uh, we've got some dedicated patrons Uh, And to our patrons who are listening and those of you who uh, have yet to be exposed to this, we are starting uh, regular updates, Joe and I are, to our our Patreon page. More of a personal, uh, more of our personal exploits in the wilderness, more of our personal opinions (laughs) about the goings on in the wilderness. And and that may may actually (laughs) be um, maybe what you want to hear, maybe what you don't, uh-huh. uh, but also bonus content from uh, outtakes from episodes and things like that that uh, go up on that Patreon page. So um, check it out if you want to get a little deeper look into what we're doing, to our thoughts, and if you want to support the podcast in a in a more personal way. Yeah, Patreon. It's uh, uh you know, when we first heard about it, Canucopia was a new concept to us, but. Uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon is how it's spelled. Uh, just type that into Google and uh, Patreon WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. And uh, you'll be directed right to it. It's a very user-friendly site. So I, I, I do think it's it's a it's a cool platform to share supplemental audio. You know, we accumulate a lot of stories and content along the way. And, you know, we didn't want to necessarily flood out the, the main thread of, of the podcast. So it, it allows us an opportunity to reach those who are who want that extra content, as you're, as you're suggesting, Matthew. Indeed. And I think, you know, with that being said, let's go ahead and hear from Claire Campbell and, uh, and find out that deeper look into her solo experience of the wilderness. It is my pleasure to welcome to the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast a dear friend of mine and an all-around awesome human, Claire Campbell, here to talk with me about the power of the solo experience in the wilderness. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Um, Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Claire, for all of the folks who are about to know you a little better, um, how would you like to introduce yourself today? Yes, uh, tricky question right out of the gates. Um, uh, Matthew and I were chatting about this just before it started and um, it's kind of reflecting on how we often define ourselves by our occupation. I'll start with, I'm from Minnesota, born and raised, have spent uh, a lot of time in the wilderness, uh, mostly with my dad and brother and the the more male side of my family um, initially growing up. Um, I have a background in brand strategy and consumer insights. I've done a ton of large-scale event production and photo video shoots. Um, 
I've kind of had a patchwork career of bopping around um, kind of a Swiss army knife. So that's a, that's a little micro background on, on who I am. I think that is a, a lot of information. And I, what I know about you, Claire, is that you, you do a lot of things and you have a lot of interests and um, that's taken you to a lot of amazing places. Indeed. And with all of your interests and your talents and your abilities, um, one of the things that seems to be high on your priority list is the wilderness. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your background in wilderness travel and specifically the Boundary Waters, if you'd like, um, and how you first got exposed to that before we dive into this um, solo experience element? So my exposure to the wilderness, as I'd call it, really came um, through my dad. And he was an avid outdoorsman, still is, um, came from a, a hunting, fishing family that often relied on that meat for, for food. Um, and so hunting and fishing initially was really a way of survival um, on that side of the family. And so it was very normal for us, you know, we weren't relying on it for survival at that point, but it was really common for us to um, spend a weekend fishing um, or camping or what have you. Um, hiking, we had a, a property that was up north that we spent a lot of time rehabbing. So spent a decent amount of time in the woods as a kid. Um, and it was just this place that I could go to that was slow and quiet and it smelled good and it felt you know, strange in texture. There was a lot of stimulation. It, it felt like a, a natural playground. And it also was this really cool place for me to be with my dad and oftentimes my brother. Um, but my lens was, you know, typically through this, you know, male perspective of um, following men into the woods and, you know, like being, I was the youngest, so I was always um, following the footsteps of people that were much taller and bigger and faster and better and all the outdoor <laughs> things than me. Um, and so as I got older, you know, um, I, I did backpacking trips as um, I went into middle school and high school. Um, I did a little bit of canoeing, but wasn't super, you know, in, in depth there. And then in college, I was taking all these marketing classes and I, I felt very disconnected from the earth. And I felt like I wanted to reconnect to, you know, some of those feelings of being grounded um, that I had felt as a kid. And so I went on a couple backpacking trips and had one really terrible experience that we got stuck in a canyon um, in a frozen river going back and forth. And we were lost for a couple of days. And couldn't have fires and people got frostbite and I was like, Ugh, screw this. I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to go, it's going to be in comfort from now on. Mm. So then I kind of switched into car camping and did that for a while. And, and, and the first time I went to the boundary waters was with a, a group of friends. Um, and I was really excited to go. And, you know, when you go car camping, it's oftentimes there's you're drinking or you're, it's more like social than it is about actually being outside. Um, and that was my kind of my first experience in the Boundary Waters where I was like, wow, we're in this really amazing place and 
it's kind of still like car camping. And I felt, it felt like not respectful. I, I remember feeling like I wanted it to be quieter and I wanted alone time to go talk to the trees and look at the moss and really explore the environment. Um, and so I, at that point, the idea of going solo, I didn't feel confident yet enough where that was really an, an idea in my head. Um, but it was just a noticing of like, man, I don't know if I like being outside uh, with other people. <laughs> like they're loud and I want, I want to hear nature. That was the first time I went to the Boundary Waters. That was uh, maybe five years ago, five or six. But it, it's not something that I grew up doing. Um, and then we went again as a group. Um, and then last year, the idea popped into my head of like, well, why not just go myself? And so it really was a question of why not. And I um, had been working a ton. And so I was really looking for that quiet and solitude and silence. Um, and so I went. And that kind of started this annual trip for me. Um, I call it annual now because second year, so I can say it's annual. Um, and I, I do have the intention to continue to do that every year that I'm able to. You know, that's uh, one of the things we talk about, Claire, on the podcast is the different reasons why people are drawn to the wilderness. It's really clear, as you describe your first experience, that the thing that drew you in was not the thing you got. Um, that you know, I don't want I, I don't want to um, put any words to your story, but it sort of sounds like you know you can get that social experience anytime. And the wilderness to you is a place of quiet and reflection. Yeah, that's what draws you in. Yeah, that's a a very articulate way of summarizing what I just said. And I, I agree. Um, and I think that when you, when I think about it in that context, it really then mirrors more of what my childhood experience was with it of that quiet. That's what the wilderness was for, for my family. I, I would agree with that. Let's kind of get into that. Last year was your first. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, you take a kayak in which um, is not, I think, super, it's more unusual generally, but I know more than a few people who do solo experiences with a kayak and find ways to make that work really well. Um, before we get into sort of the experiential element of what these trips are like for you, what's your setup going in? Yeah, um, great question, because I love gear and, um, yeah, so I have a, I have a, I think it's like an eight foot kayak. It's a perception. It's a 19, like 86, you know, old school kayak that was my dad's um, that he had handed down to me just kind of getting rid of stuff. I was like, here, do you want to use this? And um, it just indefinitely became mine. Um, and it doesn't have any portholes. Um, it's, it is rather small. There's not a, a ton of storage in there, but I do the best that I can to just really pack super light, um, everything in dry bags and it just gets shoved in the bow, um, or in the back. Um, and sometimes there are things on my lap, um, that I've just kind of, you know, piled up. Um, and then I've got my spray skirt, um, life jacket, paddle, and then I just go. So, um, I take a, a tent 
um, hammock, you know, micro camp setup um, for cooking. I do all freeze dried food just because it's light, it's easy to pack, um, it smells less for bears. I like to do this like have plan A, B, and C for the core thing. So for water, you know, it's like I'll have a water filter, a life straw, and iodine tablets. You know, fire, it's like I've got an axe, I've got a little saw, I've got waterproof matches, I've got a telescoping fire blower. Like I, I pick my gear pretty particularly, but I also am thinking about if something fails, what's the backup? Um, as I, I think most people who have gone to the wilderness um, are accustomed to thinking like. Um, and yeah, I kind of, my process is just, I pull everything out. Um, I look at it. I kind of test, I make sure everything works um, before I pack it. Um, and yeah, then I just go. Excellent. So you get to use all these tools that feel kind of more like toys. Um, and that's really fun. But one thing that you mentioned is slow, quiet. And in the beginning, you even described it as also, even though it's slow and quiet, there's lots of stimulation. Mm -hmm. So let's get into what these trips are like for you. Yeah. I want to say quickly that before you go, tell people where you're going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I just glossed over that, but I just want to make sure that if people are going to go solo, that they are responsible in doing so. So yeah, switching back to your, to your now question. I find a type of spiritual connection when I go to the wilderness. It's like a language that I'm trying to tune into or re-remember or get on the same frequency of. And so the quietness and the the solitude is is really an act of active listening but just from a different place if that makes sense and i find that especially in places like the boundary waters where it's you know it has been minimally touched by outside influences and and is somewhat limited and who can come in and out so traffic isn't overwhelming i find that you can hear those things more clearly there. I think those places are really special and they provide a lot of nourishment for people who go seeking that reconnection. So for me, the like stimulation part of it is like, I like to have the time and the space to deeply explore um, what a bark pattern looks like on a tree and spend time with that tree and kind of see if I can hear that tree and see where that tree's place is in the ecosystem and the, all the life that it's providing. So it's really kind of an observation and a noticing, but being quiet enough to, to see what's all around us all the time that we so frequently just are too busy and are running past because it would be overwhelming to sit and take in all that information all the time. You just couldn't, <laughs> I think people couldn't, you know, function in the way that we do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Claire. And when I hear you describe slowing down and noticing, and you're talking about observing, and I think there's this other element that you're hitting on, which is interacting and connecting. Mm -hmm. And those take different parts of our brain than we use mm. to get, you know, to sort of maintain survival in this 
digital world that we live in where we're organizing our tasks. It's really heavy in um, executive functioning and organization. And those parts of the brain aren't what you're talking about. Right. And I, I think for me, uh, you know, sometimes a lot of what my work can be is really um, like heady. It's very strategically demanding. Um, and so it, 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 I almost need that counterbalance um, because I think there's a burnout, you know, for sure. If you, if you don't give yourself that space and that time to, um, to regroup. With your permission, I want to run, run by you something I experienced on my last trip um, because I'm, I don't know any other way to ask this question. Yeah. Yeah, please. Um, so I've been learning you know, to spend more time in my body in the sense of, um, you know, everything, all the things that I feel that my brain picks up, you know, that all comes into me through the senses of my body. And not only that, the feelings that I feel in reaction to the world are feelings that I feel in my body. Mm -hmm. It's more the concepts that live in my brain. And mm -hmm. so coming into my body has created this much more sometimes intense and full and rich experience um, that I was really paying attention to on my last trip. And, you know, I say that just because it's hard to create language around this stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering how you, how you experience some of those concepts. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, because that, that was a key kind of observation for myself on this trip um, as well. When you don't have distraction or busyness or you can just be, and I think to your point, we're not really used to what that feeling of just being is. And for me, when I was on this last trip, I, I really was noticing the sense of like internal timekeeping that was going on with me where I was, um, I didn't, you know, you don't have to do anything when you're out there, but I, I had like an agenda, you know, there were certain things I wanted to accomplish. And some of those things were, okay, go sit and be a weirdo and talk to the plants. But, you know, it's like, I would do that for a while. And then there would be um, a, a sense of time internally that would say, okay, it's time to switch what you're doing. And all of that was also connected to the environment of what is actually happening around you. So my senses and their sense of being tied into the surroundings are, it's just, it, it's a very interesting interweaving feeling where it's like, I'm going to chop wood because it's sunny and dry, or I'm going to paddle now because the conditions are good or it's time to take a nap because it's raining. Like there, there's some of that that I felt, you know, after a couple of days of that, it almost feels relieving where you don't have to decide so much of what you're going to do. It's like sort of decided for you. And in that way, then you can be just feeling it and sensing and being present within whatever is presenting itself. The thing that I notice the most when I come back um, from a trip like that is how 
<laughs> you know, like how controlled the plants feel in the city environment of, mm. you know, it's easy for me to go about my daily life in times when I'm busy and not notice if it's raining and have no concept of what's happening outside. And it doesn't impact me like the weather and the environment. It, it's outside of whatever I'm doing. And when you're in the wilderness, it's the inverse. It is everything that you're doing. And so then, yeah, in that way, it's, it's being extremely present. And then if you think about that in the context of having a relationship, like that's the best relationship, right? Like that's, that's what we're trying to to get to is a really connected, um, present place with anybody. So if you can do that with the environment or start with the environment, I use it as a way to kind of create that space within me to have that relationship with myself. And then that fosters my relationship with other people um, because I have, I've developed that space within me first. Yeah. And what better place to practice that than the boundary waters? Absolutely. Well, and I, I also want to just, you know, say a note about the boundary waters specifically as a place, because another thing that um, speaking of being in relations with um, I've been reflecting a lot um, you know, over, over the course of several years, but even more intensely um, in the state of the world and everything that's happening around us um, about the relationship that we have with the ancestors of the land and who came before us and how, how were they stewards of this land. Um, I listened to a really beautiful podcast about a seed keeper, an indigenous seed keeper, um, who asked the question of, you know, how am, what kind of ancestor am I being? And it gave me full body goosebumps because I, I had never reflected on that question for myself. I think of ancestors as like old, you know, like they're way old and I don't know them totally. And um, I'm trying to develop a relationship um, more actively, but I had never really thought about myself as an ancestor for people that come after me and um, what, what kind of an ancestor I want to be. And, and I did a, a, a ceremony in the Boundary Waters for the ancestors and for the water and for the people um, that came before. And um, it's my offering just to say that I'm here to listen um, and, and do it imperfectly, but I'm going to try and show up and I'm going to try and reflect on what does it mean for me to be an ancestor and how do I want to be in relationship with this land? Because I think those are really important questions for us to be asking at this time. And for me, it's like essential to be asking them now. That sounds really powerful, Claire. <laughs> what an amazing intention to carry in with you. And would you be willing to share what you came up with? in answering mm. that question or do you know even or was it simply the act of creating the space that was powerful yeah I think I, I feel like I'm in a phase of active listening I don't and I, I man I feel like collectively white people are in a place of hopefully active listening um of just again trying to just show up and and do so knowing that perfection isn't the goal, but just trying to, to create the space and build the bridge and 
wave the white flag and offer the tobacco and like just really try and get back in in right relations um so i don't i don't feel like i have an answer yet um but i do feel like i'm committed to be a student of of getting to that and um i think it's a practice i don't know i don't know if you get there i think it's like a thing that you develop and it grows deeper through time and I kind of think about everything as like a cyclical kind of spiral, you know, you kind of get close to things um, and, and you, you move out and then you, you get closer the next time and you get another layer of understanding and then maybe you move away from it and then it comes back around. And I feel like this work for me with trying to understand <laughs> my place on the earth and how humans are here and what are we doing and and who are the ancestors and what's our responsibility like all the all the things um I think it it feels cyclical and like layers of an onion you know so I I just I'm open to continuing to learn I think it's a powerful place to be yeah <laughs> anything yeah. becomes possible in that place that's right yeah, it's absolutely, that's where life happens. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really, to connect that directly to that place of being in the wilderness, I mean, if you're not listening, if you're not paying attention, you can get your butt kicked. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, and you sort of have to be ready for anything that comes. And, you know, on a really concrete level, we were talking – you know, just in a recent episode about, you know, the, the, this uh, father-son trip where this crazy weather just like blew up right over their island, you know, and knocked all the trees over and they're totally in survival mode. You know, that's like, you're, e- you're either embracing what's happening or you're, or you're in denial, right? And it's a powerful way to be when the sun is shining or the storm is raging, Yes. <laughs> and you kind of have to cultivate the same mindset either way. You know, like you can't, you can't fight a storm. Mm-mm. You just have to exist in it and find, find a way to weather it. Yes. You know, we can maybe we'll build up this in, in this question, Claire, uh, or maybe it'll take us in a different direction, but you, you described uh, your early experiences of being the youngest, being a girl in those formative years, following your dad and your brother into the wilderness. And now you're the, an adult woman going in on a solo trip. Um, and I wonder how, like what your transformation has been or what your process has been into coming into that confidence. Oh, yeah, great question. It took a lot of conscious thought, honestly. Um, I think I started listening, I was listening to this, um, like, women in the wilderness type of podcast. It's called She Explores. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they first came out, there was no podcast like it. And I was one of the early, I don't even know how I got introduced to it. um, But I remember being kind of ahead of, you know, now it's a, a, a very popular podcast. But at that time, it felt like this little small club that um, I wanted to learn from and be more like, but it felt really far away from where I was. And um, I had never gone on a solo trip. I had never camped by myself. I had never even done like my a road trip alone. 
And so it took a lot of toe dipping. Um, and I think initially what had happened is my dad had given me that pod, uh, the, the kayak and I had it in my mind, you know, I want to be, I want to explore and I think I can do this, but I was still really scared. And so I would take the, the kayak to different lakes in Minneapolis that are not, you know, unsafe at all. They're small, but I was so nervous. I would call or text someone every time I would get in the water because my dad had given uh, the fear of God of drowning in the kayak to me. So anytime I went in the kayak, I would tell someone where I was and how long I was going to be gone. And I would text them when I got off the water and I was literally just paddling around like the calmest lakes in Minneapolis. It gave me this incredible feeling of like, wow, I can be alone in the middle of the lake, in the middle of a city. And in a weird way, it was like, nobody's going to come bother me out here. I'm in like this quiet little bubble surrounded by all this moving activity in the city. And it's kind of like when you get a car for the first time, you just drive around because you're excited that you have the ability to. That's how I felt about kayaking at first. And so I did that for like two summers and I, I toe dipped. I did one, a one night overnight trip, a road trip. A, a girlfriend had lent me her SUV and she had a, a mattress in the back. So I went on like a little excursion in California and went to a hot springs by myself. And I was scared and nervous and all the things, but it was such a great trip. And then I just kind of built from there. And I started going to um, state park, like camper cabins by myself in, in the winter and yeah, it just, it started just kind of toe dipping little experiences. And then last year, you know, I was, I was working a, a crazy amount and I was really craving this disconnection. Um, I felt like I needed it. <laughs> and so I just, you know, I was like, well, why not? Why can't I go? Why not me? Um, and so I started packing and I did a couple mock paddles and then I just put a date on the calendar and I went and it was this mixed feeling of super excitement and like total terrifying like what did I just sign up to do and <laughs> I don't know if I know how to tie the bear pack right um so you know when I go I'm always super committed and excited when I when I sign up and I put the date on the calendar and I get my permit but then as it gets closer I always have these like nervous second feelings kind of like what am I doing and there's also I think especially as a female um, going solo in the wilderness there's a lot of response from other people <laughs> you get a lot of other people's opinions about what you're doing and that can get in your head and so the first year I knew that that could be an issue and so I, I didn't tell very many people before I went purposely because I didn't want their fear to impact me <laughs> on the trip and this year I was a little more open in telling people that I was going, but again, it still is like people do have a response and an opinion and I don't want that in my brain rattling around when I'm out there because I'm already, you know, I already have my own things rattling around, so I don't need additional. So it was definitely a gradual journey and it took a couple years and... I'm by no means a wilderness expert or guide or anything like that, but um, I'm just willing to say why not and be as prepared as I can be and, and go and take the risk. 
Claire, it's interesting to hear you talk about some of this because I've I've paddled with you before. I've been in the boundary waters with you and I know you as incredibly competent and prepared. And, you know, it's really hard to imagine a reason why you couldn't do any of those things and why anybody would doubt in you to do those things. But it is, um, I think a very, it sounds like just in general, sometimes just being a woman um, can, can create space for that, those doubts where they may be completely unfounded. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, you have a specific way of a, addressing that, that you've, that you've used to deal with and for it to not stop you. Yeah. And I, I would say it's like a, a way of setting boundaries. It's, um, I, I think that's a skill that I've learned to cultivate and I'm still, you know, kind of constantly learning to cultivate, but I think, you know, knowing, knowing what your boundaries are and how things impact you and just being honest with yourself about it. I think that's been helpful for me. And, um, when I make a decision, like, you know, going into the, the wilderness, like I'm doing that and, and that, that's what I'm going to do. And so, uh, unless you're going to, you know, give me some cool tips or tricks or, you know, whatever, I, I kind of don't need or want your opinion because, it's only going to limit my own self-belief. And so I just don't create space for it, (laughs) you know, and and maybe that's like stubborn or, you know, naive or whatever. But for me, I I do think there is a reaction to women in the wilderness. Um, You know, even when I'm out there, like I, I ran into a dad and a son on the first trip and they were paddling out as I was paddling in and like, I think they were both pretty shocked that it was just like, you know, a a lady in her thirties just coming on back and they were really hesitant to make eye contact with me or talk to me. And, you know, and, and sometimes men will say things to me out there like, Oh, you, you better be safe. Or do you have a gun with you? Or, you know, they're, they're, they're like checking on me. And I think some of that is probably like a, a, a fathery kind of vibe coming from some of those older men that are like, Oh, you know, if my daughter was out here, I'd be worried. Or I, are, are you sure you got your gear? You know, like they asked me all these questions, but I, I would guess they would probably ask their, their daughter. And so it's not like offensive to me or whatever. I, I, I know that it's coming from a good place, but there are, and I would say the reaction often comes from women that are like, you're crazy. (laughs) Like, that's insane. I I would never do that. Or like, that's so unsafe. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that if you're, I I believe if you're present and you're there with good intentions and you're prepared and you're careful and you're doing something to your skill level, like appropriate to where you're at, that it is safe and it is okay to go. And I would like to continue doing that because I, I believe it's really important for women to have other women um, in the wilderness that they can look to and go, I could do that. Cause I had women in front of me that did that and kind of planted these seeds that I, I didn't know were possible before I saw them do it. And, you know, if I, if I had a family or if I was going to raise kids, I would want to, you know, make sure that the, they learn from mom how to be in the wilderness too. And it doesn't just come from dad. And I think that that, you know, I want that for women across the board. And to that 
point for women across the board, I think one of the things I reflected on a lot this, this time in relation to ancestors is also what a privilege it is to be out there as a single female. Um, and that I did have a family that taught me how to be out there. Um, and it, it does take a long time to acquire gear. It's not cheap. It's taken me 10 years to get, you know, you just buy slowly piece by piece and, but you do have to have the connections and, and some, some kind of a, an entry point in. And I just want to make that available for women um, of all colors and all backgrounds and, and make it approachable because even as a white woman trying to just go out by myself, it can feel intimidating. And so, yeah, I just, I'm trying to create more space for myself and for other people. Um, so, so we have more inner space. Like uh, that's really what it is. It's just creating outer space so that you have this inner space and this inner reservoir to go back to. And that's often the benefit of the trip is not even necessarily the trip. It's sometimes it's coming back and having that place of silence and quiet to, to go back to mentally when you need it. I can't think of a more powerful note to uh, close this interview, Claire. I'm really grateful to um, just have your insights and your understanding and your passion here on the podcast today. I feel inspired. So thank you. Thank you so much. I also feel a ton of gratitude for being asked to, to just share my perspective. I think, you know, in closing, I just feel like if, if you're feeling called to, to, to be in quieter spaces and create, you know, these relationships with yourself and with the land and, or you just need a break, you know, from the busyness, I think, believe in yourself and, and challenge yourself to, to get the skills or, or reach out to, if you have questions, you can call me. I don't know. Like, I just, I, I want to encourage people uh, that, that it is um, something they can do and don't let your, your own internal limiting beliefs stop you. I know we'll be talking again soon. We've been speaking awesome. with Claire Campbell from Minneapolis, Minnesota, talking about solo paddling the wilderness and being a general amazing human being and woman. Thank you, Claire. Thank you so much. See you later. Goodbye. Is it your fear of losing that makes you go further? What makes me wonder, friend, is how you get away with your lies. Cause maybe you hadn't noticed that I appreciate your company. And every time you have to go, I regret I didn't let you know. I could love you And when you hung up the phone Well, we heard the banjo at the end of the first segment in today's episode. That was Aubrey. Uh, tell us what we're hearing now, Matthew. Well, Claire, who we just finished hearing from, uh recently released an, an album uh, 
by her with her and her bandmate called the uh, the light in the dark and this is a track off that album so not only is claire uh somebody who loves being in the wilderness uh, she actually loves to create and uh, actually quite a few of those tracks do speak of her love for the wild places in this world mm. so it's you know it's all around appreciation for for what we're here for joe wow so, so yeah i mean the 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 overlap of the creativity from the contributors and, and the people we heard from on today's episode there are many talents from Aubrey's banjo playing to her soap to her passion for the wilderness to Claire's uh, pretty much, you know, the exact same other than I don't know what her thoughts are on soap. I, uh, <laughs> no, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember if we talked about that. <laughs> but uh, just that creativity and that passion for the wilderness, I think, really was highlighted in today's episode. And uh, just feeling good about hearing about canoes and even hearing some recordings, the loons in the background from uh, the audio diary in today. And They're pretty much long gone at this point. Long gone, my friend, as are the canoes uh, put away for the year. The snow has increased since we started the episode outside today. It's going to be getting dark soon. but You know, Joe, what would you think about Thanksgiving in the Boundary Waters? Now that's an interesting concept. Huh. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about that. <laughs> It's the November episode. You know, I I should say, Matthew, that uh, because it's this transition you were referencing at the top. Yes. Uh, we often play canoe-themed pieces over the winter. Uh, either people submit things that uh, from their canoe trip. It doesn't mean that we're not going to talk about canoeing until next May. No, I don't think we can help it. Exactly. Uh, it's just a... a time where we'll be physically walking on ice for mm. the next while when we go in and do recordings in the boundary waters indeed so it's it's a time of transition uh we've got a lot of great things lined up on the podcast matthew gave you some foreshadowing there for what's to come uh, for a holiday themed episode uh, coming up on episode 36 and i think when we when we look back you know we'll have one more episode after this how great 2020 has been for the podcast amid all the challenges, the, the pandemic, societal issues, elections, news that seems to never stop and usually isn't all that uplifting. We've had the podcast as an anchor uh, for, for us. It's been a solid anchor, Joe. Real solid anchor. Can't imagine getting through this year without the podcast and without the wilderness and without the community that we have. Big thanks to all of you, our listeners, for coming along on this journey with us every month. Keep sending us your good stuff. We appreciate you guys. Gals. All right, Matthew. Uh, I'm going to go outside and uh, try to make my first snowball of the year, and I think it's... uh... Got a bullseye right on your head. (laughs) (laughs) Get it! I just sing when I paddle, feeling not thinking if the strokes are true. We're gonna get through to the other side. Out in the night, the waves beat the shore. You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar. Rule me, rock me in my dreams. 
Firelight. 